steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, Happy New Year! <laughs> what a letdown. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Thanksgiving is great. You know, you got good food, good times, you got good thinking, gratefulness, with good people. Christmas isn't just a day, it's a season all to itself. Picking out just the right gifts for the ones you love, buying cards and then sending them to all those who mean so much to you. <clears throat> I'm really, really bad at that one. <laughs> one March, I mailed a birthday card to my brother Terry that I had bought <clears throat> eight years earlier. <laughs> I found the receipt. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> I seem to have a problem that way. I have a box of Christmas cards right now sitting next to my computer that I'm supposed to have done something with. So sorry that you didn't get a card, but they're all sitting right next to my computer. <clears throat> but Christmas, decorating the house and the church and preparing the tree and then putting the presents under it, the candlelight service, and finally the day itself arrives. You know, It's great, and it's a lot of fun. Usually there are some fun follow-on Christmas days. We can't stop. We meet the next week, friends and relations. We just we got to get together to have just one more good time together. And then comes New Year's Day. Boring. I still remember when I was young that all the losers <clears throat> they'd get all excited because they had an excuse to get blasted out of our minds. <laughs> oh, could we really? <laughs> I mean, that's it. And I must confess that I sometimes wondered if they even had minds. <sighs> but that's what people with old sinful natures do. It's what they do. But what do we do with New Year's Day? What do we do with new? Well, if we are believers in Jesus Christ and have his spirit within us, then new takes on a whole new meaning. What is new because of Christ? In what way are we new? In what way should we be new? What new things will we experience because we are new? I can think of a few. <laughs> and now I'm beginning to be excited. Maybe we can make something out of this New Year's celebration after all. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We now know that this was the new thing that started with Jesus. But what was this new thing that started with Christ? Seven centuries before the birth of Jesus, God told Isaiah that something completely different than anything that had been before was going to happen. Something totally new, truly new. But what was it? And what happened because of it? Jesus started with the basics. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, that's new. <laughs> Don't think being born once is good enough. 
No, you have to be born in a whole new way by the Spirit. This is something very new, and it's the beginning. And here's a consequence of that new birth that was certainly most unexpected to any and everyone who believed before that. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Not just born anew, but now we serve God in a different new way. Well, they did. It's the only way we've ever lived for God. Jews and all those who believed before Christ's resurrection no longer had to live under the constraints of the law. Serving God is no longer accomplished that way. Now it is accomplished via the Holy Spirit who lives within us. This completely new thing happened right as they were living their lives. It changed right in the middle of their lives. The law becomes superfluous, pointless in the face of this wonderful new life. And before Christ, the people of God were defined by race. You had to be born a Jew or assimilated into Israel to be a person of God. The side effect of this, due to the sinfulness of man, was hostility between different races. But no more, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The point? Racial tensions can be abandoned by those who are reconciled to God through the cross. Have you heard the phrase, before the common era? We used to say B.C. Before Christ, there was an unavoidable wedge driven between people groups. But now, we live in a truly common era. Everything changed. All right, they don't mean that when they say the common era. <laughs> they just mean that everyone moved to a new dating system that just happens to center on the life of Christ. It's just an accident, I'm sure. <clears throat> but we can make this whatever we want. <laughs> and we want common era to mean the fact that we all now have the same opportunity to reach God. So there you go. We've decided. <laughs> there is no longer God's people, the nation of Israel, and everybody else. Any person from any tribe, tongue, or nation can become one of his by simple acceptance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. No more silly hostility on that account. What a deal. So what does this new man, this new way of being God's, give us that is new? the new which we have in Christ. At the Last Supper, Jesus spoke about the symbolism of the bread and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant. The fantastic change that occurred when Jesus was crucified and he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. For many, 
not just for the Jews, not just for those who brought a perfect lamb to sacrifice. All forgiveness of sins is accomplished in one man. That's new. And that's great. But look at another part of Jesus' statement. Drink of it, all of you. We have a new sense of communing together with Jesus that no one ever had available to them before he came. That's a new reality we have available to us now. And Why and how do we know? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are made a new creation. Not by any effort of our own, but all from God through Christ. And as this new creature, we have a way to fellowship with others who believe that is simply unavailable to those who are not in Christ. But we can do something related to this for them. For he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, probably us in this statement is the writer, the Apostle Paul. But as we read on, we grasp that this ministry is for all believers. And we get to be a part of God's plan as he reconciles others to himself through Christ. All this is from God, yes. But he actually lets us take a real part in what he is doing. Does that sink in yet? We actually do God's... That's amazing. We can actually tell people, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You don't have to feel separated from God anymore. You can have the love of God in your heart just like I do in mine. You can have the peace that comes with this new life. We can say these things. I mean, wow, what a privilege. What a great new thing. And then there's our care for one another, for those who are reconciled, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We get a new commandment. Not to love. That was already commanded. That's not the new part. To love as Jesus loved. We have a new way of showing love to sacrifice our lives for one another. And that's what defines us as believers. This is new in Christ, in the common era. But there is indeed a cost to everything. There's a cost to follow Jesus. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The disciples, except Judas, who never believed, never really followed Jesus, will rule those from the nation of Israel who believe in the new creation. Obviously, there will still be individuality in the new creation. But for us, all who sacrifice what they have for the sake of Jesus and his good news will get both eternal life and a hundred times what they ever gave up. 
a hundredfold is a metaphor. Jesus means much, much more than anything we've ever given up. How we leave behind these things is a whole other discussion that we might should have someday. Uh, but note the fascinating caveat to that statement. There will be hierarchy in the new creation. But it too will be new, not at all like what we have now. So now we've seen some of what we have that is new. What is the new by which we should live? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief when the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. We look forward to a new heavens and a new earth, a new physical heaven and earth. We won't be simply floating on clouds. All the good of this world is nothing compared to what we will enjoy in the next. Still, what does that mean to us now? What sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness? In what way should we be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace? Let's join Paul again in the midst of his instruction, assuming that you have heard about him, Christ, and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Note the fascinating parallel to the Genesis account of Adam and Eve's creation, a creation that <sighs> suffered a grievous fall. Being born into that creation only guarantees that we will inherit the same fallen nature as they had. But our new nature, our new spiritual nature, is created after the likeness of God. How? In righteousness and holiness. These are statements about the internal character of a person, the spiritual nature we possess. Wait, we are created after the likeness of God. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, no? So put off your old self. Put on the new. Because the Holy Spirit now lives within us, we can begin to put off the old self and put on the new. A new nature that is created after the likeness of God. Would you like a place to start? How about this? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There, in our new self is being renewed 
So Paul needs to remind them that they should not lie to one another, but be renewed. This renewal is accomplished in knowledge after the image of the one who created our new self. So we have to learn to learn not to lie. (laughs) Do we lie to others? We're not likely to tell big whoppers. It'll be the little white lies for us. (laughs) Oh, it's for their own good. It'll make them feel so good. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. What a terrible list. And practicing falsehood is right up there with the rest of that shameful lineup. It's not our job to make people feel good. It's our job to show them what is good. Besides, no lie is of the truth. Not most any lie. No lie is of the truth. John also wrote in the Revelation of some who were specially chosen by God and in their mouth no lie was found for they are blameless. Let's not lie to one another. And since it's just past that time of the year, can I throw in a pet peeve? And yes, this is a rabbit trail. (laughs) Telling kids some fat guy from the North Pole is going to leave them a present on Christmas morning is a lie. (laughs) Mostly used to gain control over children in an inappropriate way, frankly. But that's another issue entirely. Don't tell lies, especially to your children. Okay, we now return to your regularly scheduled sermon. Let us... Be new creatures and put on our new selves. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Walk in newness of life. Okay. Maybe we hear this a lot around here, but it's still true. If our lives are no different because we are Christians, maybe we should wonder if we are at all. I mean, let me say it correctly. If you live no differently after believing than before, you're not a new creation. Every person is different. Got to watch that. But when we look at those who do not believe around us and find that we live no better than they do in lives of true righteousness and holiness... We ought to be more than a little concerned. First, what kind of witness are we? (laughs) Jesus is everything. I haven't actually changed anything in my life because of him, but he's everything to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to (laughs) sell or not. A poor witness or if no change is seen in us, we might be quite comfortably headed for hell. The truth is, if we believe our very lives are new, The death we are united to with him is the death of our sinful nature. That old nature, it doesn't die easily. But our lives are changed because our old selves were spiritually buried. Baptism is used to show that, to demonstrate to the world our newfound freedom in Christ. 
If our lives aren't being lived differently from the world, we really should consider whether we are in fact his, whether a resurrection like his is in our future. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. By the time John wrote this letter, the commandment to love one another as Jesus loved was old news. But there was, nevertheless, still that new aspect, one that we are yet closer to. The age of the apostles is over, but so is the reign of Satan. Already we have an aspect of the eternal new. The new that will be. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In my Father's kingdom. (laughs) Everybody wants to have this new drink with Jesus in heaven. Everybody wants eternal life. There's this priest, Father Murphy. Walks into a pub in Donegal and he says to the first man he meets, Do you want to go to heaven? The man says, I do, Father. The priest said, then stand over there against the wall. The priest asked the second man, do you want to go to heaven? Well, certainly, Father. Then stand over there against that wall, says the priest. And Father Murphy walks up to O'Toole and says, do you want to go to heaven? And O'Toole says, no, I don't, Father. The priest says, I don't believe this. You mean to tell me that when you die, you don't want to go to heaven? O'Toole says, oh, when I die, yes. I thought you were getting a group together to go right now. (laughs) Okay, that's. we want to go to heaven, just not instantly. (laughs) This new creation will be great. But what do we know about it? Why do we want to go there? What will it be that's new there? For starters, we'll have a new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Did you ever want to be somebody else? Maybe somebody famous or rich or with fantastic athletic ability or maybe great looks, you know, somebody else. Hey, we'll be so greatly improved in this new life that we'll need a new name. Your old one just won't be good enough for what you'll be then. This stone thing is fascinating. Stones were used as permanent tickets, ID, to get into the four citizens only public events that were so fantastic back then. And a white stone, jurors were given a black stone and a white one with which to indicate their verdict. Black meant guilty. White was for the innocent. A new name on a white stone. How cool is that? (laughs) The one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. This is Jesus talking. New Jerusalem, more on that in a moment, but suffice it to say, nobody's ever lived in a town like this. And that absolutely fascinating hint, Jesus himself will have a new name. 
things are going to be glorious there. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Wait a minute. Don't we sing songs like that now? Haven't they been singing songs like that since before John wrote these words? Pay attention to what we'll sing then. We will finally truly understand why he is worthy. When we sing there, we'll understand God's redemption plan. All those parts that we just don't get now. (laughs) We'll understand then. Wow! Can it get any better? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy Jerusalem, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We talked a little about the New Jerusalem. Did you catch that it's so fantastic that this tired old universe isn't good enough for it? God's going to create a whole new heaven and earth that will be a fitting place for this new city. It's going to be fantastic. But how is this city adorned as a bride? Well, a city is both the buildings and streets and the people. And both will be decked out more incredibly than any bride, any human has ever gazed upon. We, you and me, are going to be decked out, gender appropriately, more gloriously than anything you've ever seen. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What's going to be new? Only everything. (laughs) A little bit of time left. The last thought we should consider today is that we need to talk about the new. Why? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As excited as David was for what God had done for him, he didn't know the half of it. (laughs) And yet people, he said, would see what God had done for him and put their trust in the Lord. We know more, much more than David ever dreamed. We know what Jesus accomplished. The incredible changes that created the common era. We don't need written instructions to live as God would have us. His Holy Spirit has created a new life within us. People, tongue, nation, gender, they make no difference when it comes to being a child of God's. Jesus made a new covenant, reconciling us to himself and letting us be a part of of reconciling others to him. We love one another in a new way that was not possible before. We love like Jesus loved us. If we leave everything for him, he will give us back a hundred times more. What sort of people ought we to be in true holiness and godliness? Ones who put off the old self and put on the new. Certainly, We should put off lying. 
and wear truth like a cloak wrapped tightly around us and walk in newness of life. The darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. One day we will share with Jesus as he, for the first time, drinks the new drink with us when we have our new name and learn his new name in the new Jerusalem. Everything is going to be new then. Happy New Year. (laughs) That'll be it. This is some good news. It is good news by any measure. Do we believe it's true? So how is it that every person we know has not heard this news from us? Asking myself too. (laughs) Here's a resolution for all of us. Lord, help me to tell more people about the good news of your son. Michelangelo is quoted as saying, the danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Who will we tell of Christ this year? Who will you tell of Christ this year? Right now, in your mind, (laughs) on a paper, whatever. Start a list. Seriously, start a list. Got one. And don't aim too low. Don't aim too low. If you got a name in your head right now, someone who needs the good news, someone who needs this new good news, Father, thank you. You've done so much for us, not just creating us originally, but recreating us, redeeming us, making us new. And I know we're only partway there now. But one day in the future, we will truly be new in a new creation with a new city to live in, a new name. We'll know your son's name finally. (laughs) We'll understand. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at southbeachhope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture. <laughs>